Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, coming to you from the headquarters of the National Federation of the Blind in Baltimore. Hello and welcome to the very first bonus episode of the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm Melissa Riccobono and I'm very excited to bring you this bonus episode, which has to do with the theme of our last full-length episode, Knowledge is Power. And of course, when you think about knowledge and you think about power, you think about education, or at least I do. And today I'm happy to bring you an interview that I did with a teacher who happens to be teaching a blind student in her classroom this year. I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And I also hope that you will share this episode with teachers that you might know who will be having blind students in their classroom or who might have blind students in their classroom. And I also hope that you'll share it with parents of blind children because parents often want to know what teachers believe it's like to have blind students in their classroom. So without any further ado, let's get started with this interview. My name is Laura Kohler, and I'm a pre-K teacher at Patterson Park Public Charter School in Baltimore City, and this is my third year teaching. Excellent. So, of course, uh, we're here because you teach Elizabeth in pre-K, and I'd just like you, if you can, um, to think back for a minute uh, to the beginning of the school year. And obviously, at some point, you found out you were going to have a student with a visual impairment in your class. And did you have any concerns at that time? And if you did, what were they? I remember that my first thought was that I didn't know anything about Braille. And I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to teach Elizabeth if I don't know anything about Braille? Mm -hmm. And of course, I later learned that that wouldn't be my role in teaching her. But I know that that was an initial concern that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I also worried about the layout and the size of my classroom. So we have a tiny space for 23 kids. There's a lot of furniture and it's very divided and a bit like a maze. Um, So I worried that it might be difficult to navigate. And so I had some concerns that I might need to do some reorganization or what I could do to help make the room more accessible. And what did you do initially to sort of help you with those concerns? I was really lucky that I had a teammate um, who taught Elizabeth's older sister, Oriana, in the past. So I was able to kind of go to her for some guidance about what she had done. Um, And also, I was really lucky to meet both you and Mark at the family picnic before the school year started. So I think that was really great to be able to talk to you both before the year began to see if there was anything that I needed to change in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we were happy to yeah. be at the family picnic. It's an important thing to be involved uh, in all aspects mm-hmm. of the school and, and the life uh, of the school. So, And I know I also worried that a lot of my instruction is very visual. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in prepaid classrooms, they say, you know, have a print rich environment, have pictures everywhere. There's a lot of emphasis on visual instruction at a young age. Mm-hmm. So when I read books aloud to the class, I do a lot of predictions based on what you see. Or um, if we go to the park to learn more about a science unit, I might ask a lot of what do you see questions. So I had a lot of thoughts about how I could adjust my teaching to not have it so visually based. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. And, and actually, it kind of leads really nicely into the next few questions that I have, um, which are surrounded or focused around now that you've taught Elizabeth for almost a year, a whole school year, which I can't believe. I um, what things have been easier than you've expected? Well, I realized that I didn't have to adjust my teaching as much as I thought. 
I was already doing things along with those visual presentations, and I just had to become more conscious about doing them all the time. So for example, giving a verbal description with any visual that I present. So if I'm showing the front cover of a book, I would discuss in detail what I see on the front cover. And this kind of think aloud is actually great for not just Elizabeth, but for my whole class, because they're getting to see me describe the details that I see and that builds their vocabulary and it helps them dive deeper into a book as well. Absolutely. And do they ever help you with those kinds of things? Do you ever ask them to sort of help describe things or is it more you doing it at this point? Cause they're so, so at the little. beginning of the year, it was more me modeling. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the year, they've definitely taken over that role. And it's great because sometimes they see things that I didn't even notice. Sure. And my favorite is when we're reading a picture book and we've looked at the front cover and then I get to the point in the book where that same image is reproduced. And they'll go, Oh, that was on the front cover. So they're definitely being a lot more purposeful about how they look at illustrations in the book because of how much I've modeled what I see. Um, And in addition to kind of describing visuals, I've also just tried to make sure that I'm purposefully doing hands-on tactile experiences with, along with the visual input. Mm -hmm. So I know one of my concerns at the beginning of the year was we do a lot of focus on learning letters and learning numbers and learning what they look like and how to write them. And so I thought a lot about how I could make that a more tactile experience too. So we've done a lot this year with Play-Doh tracing, um, wiki sticks, which are those bendy wax sticks that you can mm-hmm. stick on top, so that there's kind of a tactile component along with the visual. And I know that benefits Elizabeth, but it benefits the whole class as well. So all the different ways that you can introduce information, it helps build stronger connections and the kids learn more. Uh, are there any things that are still kind of difficult for you to teach Elizabeth, just due to her blindness, not any other factors like her stubbornness or her shyness or anything else? Um, I would say the only time that things are a little difficult is during our message time. I try to write my prints as largely as I can, but sometimes it's still a little too small for her, even though she sits at the front of the room. So that's one time where she'll then get an opportunity to come up and look for things, and then when she's closer to it, she can find letters and words that she knows. Uh, Has anything surprised you about either how, I mean, it sounds like it's, been fairly smooth for you teaching Elizabeth. Absolutely. Um, I mean, she learns just like any other student. So they're really, I just had to be more purposeful in what I was doing in the classroom. I didn't have to make any drastic changes to my instruction. Just, I had to think about, oh, when I'm doing this lesson, is it really going to reach all of my kids? Mm -hmm. Um, And this isn't so much a surprise, but just kind of a happy a happy thing that my class really like they all look out for each other and they all look out for Elizabeth too. And I just love how much they care for each other. So like she leaves her cane somewhere, somebody will bring it to her and be like, Hey Elizabeth, you left this. <laughs> and so they definitely watch out for each other. And I just think it's very sweet. Mm, that is really nice. Mm-hmm. You were saying at our conference that actually having Elizabeth sort of helped you be a little more organized yes. because you had yes. to prepare material. So maybe talking just a little bit about that might be helpful. Yeah. So we did mention that it does help me stay more organized. So one of the things every week is for example, for the homework and I have to give it to Ms. Baker, who's going to put it into Braille. It helps me remember to prepare the homework in a timely fashion so that I can get it to her and to be put into Braille. So it kind of keeps me on my game and it helps me stay organized. And also with emailing the documents, it helps me make sure that I have a really organized file system on my computer so that I can easily find documents to email to you. So it's definitely helped keep me organized this year. So it sounds like there's not really any techniques that you've really developed this year. It sounds like there are a lot of them that you kind of had already in place and it's been pretty easy 
um, to just sort of think about it, be more purposeful with them. But are there any special techniques that you've developed? I would say that I am lucky in that in early childhood instruction, it is very whole body. Mm-hmm. So I guess my suggestion for other teachers who maybe teach older grades are to kind of look to some of those early childhood ways of teaching mm-hmm. where you do things by looking at them, by moving your body, by touching things and interacting with them. Because I think that the, all of those strategies have definitely really been useful. Have there been any resources that you've found particularly helpful? So definitely talking to both you and Mark at the beginning of the school year was a great resource. Um, I was also fortunate to have her IEP meeting at the beginning of the year. So I think meeting with that team early on Mm -hmm. gave me a lot of strategies and kind of helped explain the accommodations in her IEP. Also, our class got to go to the National Federation of the Blind at the beginning of the school year, and that was an amazing experience. And before the trip, you came in and you amazed my class by reading Pete the Cat in Braille. <laughs> and you shared your dog, which I think was a great learning experience for them. And I also saw that it helped Elizabeth gain confidence in the classroom with her peers because they all thought that you reading Pete the Cat in Braille was really cool and that your dog was very neat. So I think it helped her see that her peers liked what she was going to be doing in the classroom in addition to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so after you came in, we got to go to the National Federation of the Blind. And that was a perfect follow-up. And it not only taught me a lot, but I think it really helped the students understand a little bit more about Elizabeth and about Oriana, and it helped them gain, I think, just some knowledge about people who are different from them, which is what we try to teach them, so that's great. Um, And I think it also helped boost Elizabeth's confidence again that we got to kind of be in her element at the National Federation of the Blind, (laughs) and she saw that her friends liked to learn to write in Braille, and they were even really brave, and they covered up their eyes and eliminated their own vision. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely, if teachers can, recommend visiting the National Federation of the Blind, either with their class or just by themselves, because it's a great resource. If anybody's listening that is, is more local, um, please feel free. We're happy to be a resource uh, anytime. Um, do you wish that you had any information earlier in the year, or is there any information that you're still sort of seeking as the year's going on? So at the beginning of the year, I knew that Elizabeth had a visual impairment, but I didn't really have the details about what her eye condition was. And I sort of wish that I had asked some more questions, but I don't think I knew then the questions to ask. Um, so learning about how she adjusts to light has been really helpful and is something that I wish I had known at the beginning of the year. Um, because I've been able to implement some different things in my classroom in terms of when the lights go on and off or when we enter and exit the building that I think are helping her now that I probably should have been doing all year. I also wish that I knew more about proper cane technique at the beginning of the year. And I know our school had tried several times to schedule a professional development to kind of help all the teachers that interact with um, your kids in the building. Um, But since that professional development, I've definitely been able to reinforce her cane use more. Mm -hmm. And I can see her being more confident as she uses it. She's remembering to take it with her. Whereas in the beginning of the year, it kind of got left around the room. So I think as a teacher, being able to reinforce what you guys are working on at home Mm -hmm. definitely helps her grow. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for any other regular education teachers who just happen to have a blind student in their class? I would just say to not be afraid to ask questions and to make sure you take the time to talk with the family and the IEP team to get as many details as you can that can help you. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything I've forgotten or left out? I think just really focusing on how she's doing in the classroom and just little tweaks that you can do to kind of help her work through a lesson better. So I know um, when her visual 
instruction teacher brought a vertical easel for her to write on, mm-hmm. I noticed a really big improvement in her fine motor skills. So just kind of using resources that are given to you by people on the IEP team can really help in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And let's just talk a little bit about that. Actually, that's a, that's a really good point that I forgot to put in, in my mm-hmm. initial questions. But using that teacher of the, of the visually impaired as a resource, do you feel like it would have been more helpful to meet with her sooner in the year? Or um, do you get enough? I mean, I guess as, as far as just consulting, mm-hmm. um, kind of being able to meet with her and just sort of consult about lessons that are coming up or homework that's coming up or activities that are coming up. We do try our best to talk as much as we can, but mm-hmm. unfortunately she has a busy schedule and she's pulled between different buildings. Yes. So sometimes her free time is not my free time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do our best to kind of make sure that Elizabeth is doing things in print and in braille that are tied to our themes mm-hmm. in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I do wish that we had more time to collaborate in a perfect world, we would be able to meet and talk about upcoming yeah. lessons, but time is always an issue. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe advice to parents might be something like, you know, really looking at as much as possible, um, what that time for consult looks like on an IEP. And I would agree just, because if it's down on paper, then in her official schedule, yep. it has to happen and then time can be made for it. Right. But if it's not on paper and her schedule is pulled between multiple buildings, then it's Trickier. Yeah, absolutely. Trickier and to pull off. So that would be a good thing for parents to know on that initial IEP. Yeah. Make sure you ask for consult between the classroom teacher. Yeah. yeah. And, and materials preparation, too, because, you know, I know in, in our situation, Ms. Baker does some of the materials prep, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's other teachers that don't have an assistant, and so they're doing all that. So, you know, you really do have to think through not only what the child service looks like, for the child, but also what needs to go into all of it to make it successful. Mm-hmm. So. There's definitely a lot of moving parts. Definitely. We hope you enjoyed listening to this bonus episode of the Nation's Blind podcast. We would love to hear from you, so please give us some feedback. You can call us at 410-659-9314, extension 2444, or you can email us at podcast at nfb.org. And please make sure you follow us on Twitter at nfb underscore voice, or like us on Facebook. Just search for National Federation of the Blind. If you enjoyed this episode, we really hope that you will share it with others that you think might find it useful, particularly teachers of blind students or maybe even parents of blind kids. And the other thing that we'd love you to do is to check out the show notes. We've gathered a lot of wonderful resources for teachers who are teaching blind students, and we hope that you will find those helpful as well and we'll pass those along to those that might be able to use them. We hope that you'll join us next week for our second bonus episode. This episode will be uh, me, again, speaking with another teacher. This one is Serena Harris, who teaches my daughter, Oriana, in first grade. And so you will hear her thoughts about what it's really like to have a blind student in class. Thank you again so much for listening. You've been listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. And remember, you can live the life you want. 
Thank you for listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, send an email to podcast at nfb.org or leave us a voicemail at 410-659-9314, extension 2444. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at NFB underscore voice. Check out the Nation's Blind channel on YouTube and visit us on the web at nfb.org. Until next time, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back.